Hello, my name is Israel. I've been involved in hip-hop since the 1980s as an artist, producer, radio show host, journalist, documentarian, magazine editor, hip-hop advocate, and pundit. Over the years, I've interviewed hundreds of interesting people in music, media, and more. Welcome to Sounds from the Underground, the podcast from Insomniac Magazine, where we learn from both those who reside below the surface and those who've breached it. On this episode, we glean industry insight from the manager for the legendary Rock Marciano. Jazz has worked with the Mike Phenom since the early days of his career. This industry veteran shares jewels from the hip-hop trenches of the successful indie giants camp, their distinct approach to monetizing music in a world dominated by streaming, and much more. Let's get into this discussion with Jazz. Well, thank you so much, Jazz. Appreciate you uh, taking time to reach out and being willing to do the uh, interview. Again, man, it's my pleasure. I kind of noticed the post that you was um, that you put up concerning marketing, and and again, you know, our, our story is a diverse one, but it's one that you know, what I'm saying that many has taken to heart and kind of used in their own, you know, what I'm saying marketing plans as well. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in any way, shape, or form, but. Obviously, we're talking about Rock Marciano, who has this incredible history. Seriously, um, I would say a, a rapper's rapper, uh, someone that not only has the respect of his fans, but also of his, you know, brethren in hip hop. But but beyond that, what what struck me about Rock is that I've seen him drop records or drop albums, projects that he makes available initially, if not um, strictly on physical format before they hit the streaming platforms. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, what, you know, just to take it back to the foundation, um, we'll say around the time of Reloaded, we, you know, we started to notice that everything was going towards the digital aspect, the DSP aspect, digital streaming platforms, for those who don't know. And, um, what we noticed with that kind of change in the game that we kind of wanted to create a monetization system that fit what we were trying to do. We didn't want to have to be had to be pigeonholed to whatever rules that the industry kind of dictates to music and dictates to artists and dictates to content creators mm -hmm. where, you know, and again, I'm sure you remember this, you know, the old, um, music drops on Tuesday and, and, and Friday and mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying if streaming paying you out XYZ amount of money we kind of felt like we could create our own platform that will allow us to capitalize on our fan base and and also kind of kind of bet on ourselves in a manner of speaking mm -hmm. so we started doing that with Rosebud's Revenge Part 1 actually which was our first time um, putting out music on our website first before placing it on DSPs. Um, we did it at $25 a download. No one was really paying attention, but, but it worked out wonderfully for us. And as we, as we got into um, Rosebud's Revenge Part 2, The Bitter Dose, um, we pushed up the price point to $30 a download. And again, everything worked out wonderfully, but this time everyone was paying attention now. Mm -hmm. It became a situation where they where they thought we were 
anti-streaming. And that was not the reason why we did this. The reason why we did this was for artist control as a manager and as a person that's, you know, that hip hop has done a lot for me. I am all about artists maintaining control and I'm all about artists and content creators making as much money as they can on their own, on their own stance, on their own, um, on, on their own name at the end of the day. No one should dictate, at least the industry should not dictate how an artist or a content creator is able to sell their music or reach their fan base at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and ultimately, we've been at $30 a download ever since. And it's interesting because obviously, you know, again, you mentioned that it's not about being anti-streaming. But I think at this point, everybody understands that when it comes to the streaming platforms, the artists... Uh, well, let me not even say the artist, because if you're signed to a label, then we're talking about even smaller numbers. But in general, the compensation that's coming from a stream is a fraction of a penny versus obviously if a fan buys the music, then we're talking about, you know, actual dollars. Right. Absolutely. And it's it's not to say it like this, but I'm not, there's no other way to say it is disrespectful. Mm-hmm. It's disrespectful. The amount of money that is given per stream is 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 just honestly foul at the end of the day it doesn't allow the artist or content creator to make a proper dollar mm-hmm. you know what i mean so ultimately this is the re- this is the reason why we kind of created the uh, monetization system that we created for rock Marciano. and it, 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 and like you said, ultimately allows us to not just make money and get into the black and a sooner manner, but to make a one to one synergetic relationship between artists, the music and the fan. Ultimately, when we do this, this means that the consumer receives the album before before it goes to the mm-hmm. So ultimately, that fan feels like they're receiving something a little bit more personal and they're feeling like that money that they're giving to the artists is being respected. Their, their purchase is being respected. Even, even if you want to look at it as the way DSPs have kind of pushed everybody into streaming the music, bear in mind their iTunes is still around. Mm-hmm. There are still place. There's still um, apparatuses for which you can download music, but they're kind of stream. They're kind of pushing everybody and steering anybody into streaming the music, and ultimately, if if you're really paying attention, that shows how much distribution systems and DSPs are all in bed with each other, and and they're making all the money in the artists aren't. Indeed, and in many ways, obviously, it makes sense for you if you're a major label and you have this amazing library, you know, going back decades of music, but it's not necessarily beneficial if you're an artist that maybe only has a handful of albums, because if we're talking fractions of pennies, I mean, you just have to do the math to see that unless you're, you know, getting millions and millions and millions of streams. And even then, it's it's nothing like it, it would be if millions of people were buying the actual album. Exactly. And that, that was the main reason for us trying to create a system for which rock can, again, get into the black in a quicker manner. And ultimately, and truth, and truth be told, I don't want to say that one is more important than the other. It's almost like one A and one B. Mm-hmm. That relationship within artist and consumer and the fact of receiving this 
download direct is has been a godsend as well. It creates um it creates that that good relationship that you need to make money in this game these days. That way, you know, saying the consumer doesn't feel like it's a fly by night situation. The return, the return sale, the return purchase is important for a business. And like I told you, as a manager, I'm heavy into artist control and and artists being in business for themselves. At the end of the day. No you know question. I mean? Indeed, indeed. And if you don't mind, talk to me a little bit about physical products. I know that Rock has had vinyl releases. If you don't mind sharing a little bit about oh. that business model, obviously the CDs are still out there. People still consume, you know, music on CD, and there's even cassettes out there. Absolutely. And we've you know seen we've sold our music on all of those vehicles from cassette to CD to vinyl. And which, you know, which, which is important because bringing everybody to our website allows us to basically display all the options that a, a consumer has to rock Marciano's music. If you want to get the download, beautiful, buy a download. If you want to buy the buy some vinyl, beautiful, buy a vinyl. If you want to get a limited edition vinyl, which we usually sell on our website at a different price point. Please buy the limited edition vinyl. You might get a, you know, what I'm saying a signature with it. You might get some sort of knickknack, you know, a trinket or something of that nature along with your purchase. You know, what I'm saying, buy the vinyl. You know, what I'm saying, if you want to buy our merch at the same time, buy our merch. And it's almost the same way of the way these distribution companies create bundles. Mm-hmm. We create those same bundles. Mm-hmm. And tell me if you don't mind a little bit about that. I mean, I think there's some folks that in many ways think that the physical medium has kind of come and gone. Yet, as you mentioned, you know, you've been offering pretty much every single format for for Rock's fans. What is it do you think about that physical, handheld, tactile experience that resonates with fans? Well, again, I'll look at it. I'll, I'll come from two different points of view. As far as me, you know what I'm saying, and, and where I've come from and how long hip hop is has supplied me with, you know what I'm saying, all the beauty that I that I enjoy and and the money that 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 it provides to take care of my family, there's to me there's nothing better than a piece of vinyl. You know what I'm saying? There's a certain sound that you can't get from any other format other than a piece of vinyl. It's very warm. Mm-hmm. It's very inviting. It's something, like you said, that you can physically hold on to. Open it if you choose. Save it if you choose. And keep in mind, which is, again, some of the fallacies that the digital age kind of puts out there. The only format that has decreased in value is a CD, in which a CD ultimately is a cheap um, way of creating music at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Because, you, you know, you can basically burn a CD and it's not too expensive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But as far as vinyl is concerned, vinyl has kept its value for the last five, seven years. It has not decreased in value at all. And if you're really paying attention, you can tell that it's true from the, all these, <laughs> I don't want to call them fake DJs, but all these people that were basically not DJing at one point, all of a sudden everybody want to become DJs, whether it's, um, whether it's entertainers or whether it's just the average everyday person, everyone is now want to take on the aspect of being the DJ. Right. So again, vinyl has held its value. And to me, it's a staple in how we make and market 
how we make money and how we market our music as far as rock music is concerned. And then in many ways, even beyond holding its value, I mean, for folks that, uh, you know, that are real vinyl and hip hop aficionados, all you have to do is go on eBay and see that some of these releases, especially if they're limited in nature, are selling for more than they sold when they were brand new. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I said there's a lot of misconceptions that, you know, that comes with the vinyl game as if, you know, so ultimately the only way to make money or the only way to receive the music that you want is through the digital aspects. And that's just not true. That's right. just not true. And yes, I'm, I am one of those people who are, who are kind of sore because again, at the age that I'm at, I come from the days of nothing but vinyl, you know what I'm saying? And at, then CDs came along. So, you know, from one side, you know, of course that's, that's something that I would rather have people come and buy our vinyl things of that nature. But I also realized because I have a 14 year old daughter that the world lives with a phone in their hands. Right. So, so ultimately you have to provide the access to the digital world and having your music on all DSPs. That's the reason why I always make it very clear that this is not a war or any sort of thing against DSPs right. and streaming platforms. This is just a way for us to make money and market and create better relationships with the people who support us the most. And that, as an artist and as any person who's in this game, that should be your first loyalty. You support the people who support you first. True. True. And one thing you mentioned, you mentioned going on Rock's site and buying it. It's kind of interesting. Here we are in this era where it's easier than ever for artists to have their own websites and to create e-commerce solutions. Yet it seems as though a lot of artists rely strictly on social media as their home base and kind of ignore the fact that they probably would still benefit from an actual URL that goes directly to them and no middlemen involved. Well, to be honest with you, that comes into the aspect of taking your business seriously and going the extra mile. I will say that, you know what I'm saying, being that we're in a digital you know, DIY world, it makes people kind of complacent slash lazy. Mm-hmm. And if you are, as you said, about your music and able to create the relationship between you and the people who purchase your music, to me, it would be remiss if you didn't have your own website, create your own one-to-one situation with the people, again, who support you. And at that point, like I, like I tell people all the time, you can kind of get beyond the rules of music where they basically tell you, okay, well... This costs three ninety nine, or you know, what I'm saying one ninety nine, or seven ninety nine, or nine ninety nine. You can go into different price points as long as you are able to know your limits as far as the price points that you create for yourself, and know your fan base and whether they're willing to support you because you don't want to outprice yourself. No but question. art, but art. Which again, I like to call. I would like. I like to deal with music in an art form sort of manner. So art doesn't have a price point to it. You know what I'm saying? Other than the one that is created by the the person who creates the art. 
I love that. I love that because I remember when, you know, when iTunes came around, one of the biggest complaints, I think, about iTunes was that they kind of created this de facto price point for music of 99 cents. Yet here we are in an environment where it's a fraction of a penny. So in many ways, you know, our art has been so devalued time and time and time again you know, and people rarely make that connection to, as you mentioned, you know, art maybe in, in the mindset of a painting. It's, you know, it's on paper, but but that potentially could have, you know, a value of tens of thousands of dollars, depending on who the artist is. My point exactly. My point exactly. That's why, again, I always speak to the aspect of content creator rights and artist rights, even on down to. Um, some of the legislation that's hit the House and Senate floor, which is the um, Music Monetization Act, mm-hmm. that basically, uh, again, fights for the content creator and the artist to make the money that should be made, you know what I'm saying, from, from the people who are creating the music and not allowing those who are in distribution systems or anything of that nature to control how the monetization works. Because that, again, that doesn't make any sense to me. I I completely disagree with that. Right. So if you don't mind, share a little bit about maybe some of the other marketing activities that you've been involved with uh, in regards to to Rock's career, getting the word out, making sure that the audience knows that there's a new release, etc. Well, we tend to um, have everybody, because again, um, as you come to our website, you're able to subscribe. So we basically have a demographic list of everyone that comes to our site and we're able to send out a mailer to everyone you know what I'm saying, as we begin to release new music. That's one of the ways. That's, op- op- that's basically the best way that's allowed us to create that one-to-one relationship. That the subscribing and us always constantly letting them know, All right, well, we're about to drop a new album or we're about to drop some new merch. Or you can, you know what I'm saying, you can go find Rock or XYZ Project. Those one-to-one relationships are the best way to, to market music. But other ways we've done so is that we've you know, created certain brand deals with, um, with different entities like Cartoon Network. We've done a lot of beautiful things with Cartoon Network. Rock's music has been on Cartoon Network for about, uh, good, I say about five years now, different, uh, different projects. So it allows us to then have our music fall in the ears of people that may not be quote unquote rock on Seattle fans, you know, and, and Cartoon Network has been a great partner into a lot of the things that we do. I mean, and again, along with the aspect of the relationship that we, the relationships that we've created with, you know, saying different press um, from the Rolling Stones on down to the everyday bloggers, what we do at Marcy, at Marcy Enterprises is, again, we, we go out there and act like we are as big as any label, any, any distributions company, anything in the world. Our music should be respected. We, we, we create these relationships with any sort of press that's involved from an, from an insomniac up, from an insomniac down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... Those three ways have been, the, you know, saying the best ways of how anyone can create that buzz that is necessary to get the word out when a new project is dropping. 
Indeed. And, and you mentioned Cartoon Network. I mean, Adult Swim in particular, that part of the brand has been pretty proactive over the past uh, well over a decade in connecting with the the hip hop community by incorporating, you know, quality, not just like some big, super mainstream artists, but more, you know, uh, underground, for lack of a better description, authentic hip hop artists. If you don't mind, tell me a little bit about that relationship and, and how maybe some of those sync licenses came about. Um, well, um, I, I have a couple of a couple of different connections at um, Adult Swimming Cartoon Network. Um they were interested in getting Rock's music on Adult Swim. And I can't, I don't want to make this out into rocket science because it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was just basically two companies who, who saw eye to eye as far as the vision of what hip hop can reach to the masses and loving Rock Marciano music. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And from there, we've put Rosebuds with um, Double R2's music on there. We've put, um, pardon me, we've put Behold a Dark Horse music on there. You know, we've put Amartya Lago's music on there, whether instrumental. We've dropped the pimp. We've dropped a project called Pimp Instrumentals mm-hmm. on there. Where ultimately that was just an instrumental project that was exclusively licensed for Adult Swim and Cartoon Network. And it's the 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 relationship has been a beautiful one. And not to say it like this, but the money's been handsome. <laughs> no question. It beats a fraction of a penny. Very much so. Very much so. Very much so. And and if you don't mind, Jazz, tell me a little bit about your background. Me and Rock, you know what I'm saying? When we've been knowing each other. We're all from the same town in Long Island. You know what I'm saying? The Hempstead, Uniondale area. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out doing road managing you know, for a group called IGT that was signed to Loud Records, also from Long Island. And within that relationship with um, Loud Records, which, again, which is how I got my foundation from, um, Scott Free and Maddie C heard Rock's original group's music, which is which is a group called the UN. I don't know if you're familiar. Of course, if you're not if you're not familiar, please check out UN and You Out. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a classic, as far as I'm concerned. And um, we were basically the last group signed to Loud Records before they closed their doors. Mm-hmm. Scott Scott Free, who was the gentleman who bought um. With the Wu Tang Clan, Mob Deep to Loud Records, and Maddie C, who is a legend within his own right, who was who basically discovered Biggie Smalls, bought Big Pun, bought MOP to Loud, you know, what I'm saying to Loud Records. Um, they enjoyed our music, you know, what I'm saying we we started linking with them, um, doing music, you know, what I'm saying used to be on Loud Records dimes, but <laughs> such is life. And one, again, once that relationship flourished. Um, we we were working with Steve Rifkin at one point, and then as he was starting SRC, we ended up um, having an opportunity to link with his brother John Rifkin and Carson Daly on their label. Yes, I'm talking about that Carson Daly. Mm-hmm. Carson Daly yep. and John Rifkin had a label called Four Five Six, and we would we were basically the second hip hop group on that label. Nice, and you know again the. Those relationships, you know, what I'm saying, flourished pretty well. Um, four, five, six, unfortunately, didn't last very long as far as the label was concerned, but it allowed us to get our foot in the door and to get our music out there, along with along with Pete Rock. Pete Rock was playing our music from the beginning. We would do a lot of studio sessions with Pete Rock, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. He was playing our music on on Stand On Power 105 for us, his Future Flavors show. So we were doing a lot of creative and different things to get our music out there. And bear in mind, you know, we dropped, oh, oh, pardon me, I forgot about this. We dropped the project on BBE as well, which is a London label. And again, with Pete Rock as well, which is the whole um, Pete Strumentals project. And again, like I said, those relationships, you know what I'm saying, did a lot for our getting our music out there and letting people know who we was at the end of the day. Bear in mind, uh, along with the UN's deal, as the UN was making UN and you out, Rock was also signed to um, Buster Rhymes' label, Flip Mode, at that moment. And, it's, and again, Buster Rhymes is another person who I went to school with, you know what I'm saying, from the Long Island area. So again, everything was very comfortable as far as, again, getting our music out there, getting our feet wet, and getting an understanding of what the industry truly is right because that you know you walk into a situation as mcs and and people who are not experienced and you have a conception of what the industry is and then you get into the industry and you start to realize that it's a whole lot different no question what does a label offer today so in other words i understand if, if your if your main goal is to be a pop artist and you know reach the masses, you know, I think that if, you, if it's a major label, I think that certainly makes sense. However, if you're an artist that is in a very specific, you know, lane, if you will, and has a very specific audience, what what value would a label offer? Obviously, rock is independent. Um, do you see a situation where where a label deal would make sense again? You know, signing as an artist to a label. Absolutely. We, you know what I'm saying? Not to put it completely out there, but we've had a bunch of different conversations with distribution companies concerning that very fact. There is always a place in understanding where a label can help an artist, whether they are new or whether they've been in the game for a long stretch of time. Because as to answer your question, what they offer, which is probably the most important thing, is artist relations. Artist relations can come down to purely the marketing of music that we talked about. If you're a new artist or a person that's been in this game and not been active as far as the business of being an artist, you don't have those relationships to streaming platforms. You don't have those relationships with press. You don't have those relationships to, with satellite radio or terrestrial radio. That is where artist liaisons come into play. Mm-hmm. And film and TV, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. The licensing game. None of those things, you you may be completely unfamiliar of how all of those things work. And at, when you're at a label, those artist services is what they basically offer you. And ultimately, it puts you in a place, at least you hope, it puts you in a place where you want to be and need to be as an artist. And the, clearly, the deal has to make sense, right? Always starts with the deal. Always starts with the deal. But a deal is only as good as you having an understanding of what you want and what your value is. If you if you can be one of those people that basically, you know what I'm saying, see a whole bunch of zeros in a deal and then ultimately don't understand what the recruitment, you know what I'm saying, the mm-hmm. recruitment rate is mm-hmm. and and they got you thinking that you're rich before you actually made a dime. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no not, question. Not realizing ultimately that, you know, you signing that deal, yes, they may have gave you some money for which, you know, upfront money that would, you know what I'm saying, makes you feel good about the situation. 
But then after a while, you start to realize how much, you know, how many different things are old in these upfront deals, how much you have to give up the rights to your music in these front in these upfront deals. So <laughs> it could be it could be you getting a whole lot of money that you base that's basically not yours. And you end up having to pay a whole lot more money back in return. See, when the recruitment rate, the recruitment rate in the industry is more than some house notes. We're talking about 20%. And I don't know about your home, but my home interest rate is not 20%. And I'm in Long Island. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? In the middle of New York at the end of the day. And everything's expensive in New York. That's right. So the industry itself is charging these artists that are un- no, un- unknowing to what's going on the kind of percentage recruitment that is just ridiculous. And you wonder why you have a lot of broke artists. What would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned so far during your journey, which has been quite a while. You talk about, you know, the beginnings over at at loud uh, up until now, what would you say is the biggest takeaway you've gotten? Um, Truth be told, being independent and betting on ourselves changed our lives. Mm. Rock, you know what I'm saying? Rock and his vision of how he sees his music being created, his vision of how he sees his music being marketed, kind of changed every uh, changed everything as far as how we thought about things to certain industry. And that change allowed us to understand what being truly independent is. And, you know, the, the ups and downs and making mistakes, sometimes making mistakes is the best thing that can happen to you because now you understand what you need to do to do and to make the money and to create the buzz that is necessary. So again, to me, the most important thing was the aspect of betting on ourselves and and truly being independent and going out there and truly learning the business instead of signing to people and putting your life and your future and your art in other people's hands. Nice. Very nice. So, if you don't mind, maybe uh, if you could leave us with some some insight into what's coming next for Rock and and what folks need to do to learn more about his upcoming projects and endeavors. Absolutely. Well, first thing first, if people don't got their hands on Marcia Lago, please you know get that project right now. We also have our first signee to the Pimpire, which is Rock and myself's management company, and that gentleman is by the name of Stovegar Cooks. He dropped a pro- he dropped a project with Rock Marciano, fully producing it called Reasonable Drought. Again, another project that you definitely need to get your hands on. If you haven't got your hands on it, please do so. Please check it out. Um, Rock has a new project called Mount Marcy coming very soon. Um, Stovegar Cooks has his new album coming out very soon. And for all things Rock Marciano, you can always go to Marci- um, rockmarcy.com. And as far as getting in touch with me, of course, Rock's, um, Rock's Instagram is on all socials. It's at Rock Marcy. And as far as myself, I'm at Jazz UN Gang. J A Z Z U N G A N G. Jazz UN Gang. Nice. And thank you so much, Jazz, for imparting so much knowledge. Uh, greatly appreciated. And, and once again, man, I'm grateful that, uh, that you uh, reached out when I put the call out and, um, and value all of your time. Listen, the pleasure is mine. I've been meaning for us to have a conversation anyway. I've been dealing with insomnia for a long time. You know what I mean? Y'all mm-hmm. guys are a staple, and I love what y'all guys do. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I wish you all the best and much continued su- success to rock. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks a lot, and enjoy your day. Peace.